The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Discover a new relationship and approach to life through the space between. Join spiritual teacher Brittany Mondito for a moment of silence, a weekend workshop May 24th to 26th at Omega Institute's beautiful campus in Rhinebeck, New York. Everything we're searching for lies behind what we're running from, Brittany says. Reconnect with your inner sense of safety, grounding, and centeredness. Learn more today at eomega.org slash thrive. From Spirituality and Health Magazine, I'm Rabbi Rami, and this is the Spirituality and Health Podcast. Thanks for joining us. Our guest today is Christopher Hughes. He is chief of the Anglesey Druid Order, a Mount Hyams scholar, and a member of the Order of Bards, Ovates, and Druids. He's a best-selling author of a number of books, including the Book of Celtic Magic. He's the creator of the Celtic Tarot, and his newest book is The Book of Druidry, a complete introduction to the magic and wisdom of the Celtic mysteries. His interview with Stephen Kiesling is entitled Awakening to the Wisdom of the Oak, and it appears in the July-August 2023 issue of Spirituality and Health magazine. Christopher Hughes, welcome to the Spirituality and Health podcast. Thank you very much. It's a joy to be here. That biography sounds really impressive, and I'm, I'm sitting here thinking, gosh, are they talking about me? <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope so. I hope so, because I, you know, I looked you up, and that's what I found. So hopefully this stuff is, is still accurate. So, you know, in the book of Druidry, I mean, the book itself is really a book-length answer to two questions. Uh, what is Druidry and who's a Druid? So we have to start somewhere, and that seemed like the obvious place to start. And I realize, you know, we've got 20 minutes, half an hour to do this in, and I've got a zillion other questions. So c- as concisely as possible, it help help our listeners understand, and me, you know, what is Druidry and who is a Druid? So, so, so it's exactly that. So my, my book kind of starts with the, the question of what is a druid, but also what is the point of a druid? You know, why would somebody want to identify themselves as a druid? So essentially, a druid is a person who perceives the world as a place that is inherently alive through an animistic principle. And they might express that animistic principle through devotions to certain polytheistic principles or a multitude of deities and other spirits that are pertinent to the tradition through ancestor veneration and the study of mythology and law. And all of this is done through the the worldview or the lens of what we refer to as the Celtic cultural continuum. So on one hand, it's a cultural continuum that expresses a wisdom tradition that is part of the Celtic culture from the early times of the Iron Age all the way through the Middle Ages and into the present. But 
it's also important to consider that Celtic is is not a bloodline. It's not a genetic thing. It's a cultural stream. So anyone can identify with elements of that culture by immersing themselves in either the lands of the Celts or in the language of the Celts. And you know, when I'm a modern day Celt, I'm a, a Welsh person that lives in a Celtic worldview within a Celtic culture. And and of course, language is one of the primary carriers of culture. So a druid is essentially somebody who perceives the world in that manner, but also expresses a wisdom. So essentially, druidry is a wisdom tradition. And and that is captured beautifully, I think, in the title druid, which means to know the oak or to be oak wise. So I always consider that a druid is somebody who strives not only for the best version of wisdom that they can find within themselves, but also somebody who disseminates that wisdom to to improve the quality of the world and the communities around them. And and it's really difficult to put in a nutshell because obviously I write books about these things. <laughs> but, but, but in as brief a nutshell as I can place it, I would say that that's about the picture you would get of what a, a druid is today, somebody who strives to be oak wise. And what I love about the fact that the word druid means to know the oak is that the implication is that our primary teachers are trees. And I find that deeply romantic, beautiful and profound all at the same time. Well, well, so did I when I you know, started reading the book. And I want to come to this powerful proverb that you used to open the book. But before I do that, I want to ask you about the oak in particular. What's the connection to, I mean, Druid culture, but, but maybe Celtic culture in general to the oak in particular? I think primarily because the the British Isles and and also regions of northern France, which were also Celtic, the the predominant tree within that landscape would have been the oak tree. And these trees take 200 years to grow, 400 years to live, and 200 years to, to die gracefully. And they're an embodiment of a being that lives within the landscape and is a silent witness to not only the passage of time, but also to the passage of people. And when you come across one of these ancient oaks in any part of the landscape, especially you know deep in the mountains of Snowdonia, which is not very far from where I live, whenever I meet them, it feels as if I'm meeting an ancestor, that I'm meeting somebody who is witness to not only the passage of time, but also to, to the magic that's inherently held within the land itself, and that the tree somehow breathes that into the lives of the people who take shelter underneath its boughs and leaves. So I think that the fact that it's there held within the meaning of the word druid isn't surprising because they they have such presence and majesty but also a gracefulness as well and I can I can envision that my you know my deep celtic ancestors and the druids that lived on the islands that I live on today would have not only sought counsel from the trees themselves, but may also have held counsel beneath the branches of these mighty oaks that decorate our landscape. So when you talk about uh, a druid as one who sees the world as alive, and and then you mentioned the animistic Mm. principle. So when I think of the animistic principle, that that the world is, I, I mean, I also see the world as alive, 
and, and in spirituality and health, one of the ways I think I think if you go on the website, the primary way that they define spirituality uses the word aliveness. Mm. And in Judaism, one of the primary ways we speak of uh, deity is chiyut or chayut means aliveness. Mm. And so, so I would I would say the world is alive. But when I think of animistic, I think of various deities. Mm-hmm. So is there a deity associated with the tree? Um, yes, very much so. So in the culture that I live, so I live in a Welsh culture, we have we have several hundreds of deities that have different functions within the world. And to some druids, they might perceive those deities to have hard agency, that, that they're hard polytheistic principles. But to others, their approach to them might be much softer in that they perceive the gods to be archetypes or elements of the of, of the forces of nature. And what is beautiful, I think, within the Druid tradition is that there, there isn't a point where one is dictated to as to how one perceives um, the divine or an expression of the divine, but rather the importance is placed on how the individual connects to that principle and how it inspires them to live their lives as a druid. So I love you know, how you describe the world as being a place that is inherently alive. And, and whilst we, we hold the same principle, but also that the world is enspirited, that it contains spiritual expressions that can sometimes be very different to those of humans. And what I love about animistic study is that it perceives that the world is full of persons, and only some of those persons are human beings, that there are tree people and rock people and leaf and sky and flower people, that the world is not only inherently alive, but it's also inspirited, that it has personality and we're just one facet of it. And and I think that's true for probably the majority of spiritual traditions around the world. But of course, I think what, what colors that is culture. So within the Celtic culture, it's art and language that's given life to those principles and, and of course, brought about this wisdom tradition that we continue to call Druidry in the 21st century. So it's something that I feel a profound longing and depth of love towards as well that my ancestors left us these little clues as to how to see the world and our place within it, you know? Well, I mean, you're, you're obviously very, A, very clear about what you're saying very passionate about what you're saying, but I want to know how literally I'm supposed to take this. And and I'm speaking, I mean, I'm hoping this is, the. I'm asking questions that listeners are asking as well, but I'm also asking for myself, because I have this tendency mm. to to use the word people very broadly. Right. So, so yeah, I I would say tree people and, you know, flower people and, 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 and I don't know exactly what I mean when I'm, because when I use that term, when I'm walking in the woods near my home mm. and I'm engaging with the trees that I'm walking amongst, yeah. I, I, I don't know. They're, they're people to me, but I don't, they're not the same. They're not humans, but yep. they're people. Yes. So I don't know what I mean by that. So I'm going to ask you, <laughs> what do you mean by that? And then maybe I will know what I mean by that by, by learning from you. So what do you mean when you say there are the trees are people in the so that, that essentially they have their own individual and independent expression of self, and that makes them a 
a person or a personage. So I have a I have a rowan tree that is growing in my in my in my garden that I grew from seed, and now she's twenty three years old. She's a really good size, and I am able to sit and shelter underneath her branches, but. She has this personality that I know because we've been together for for a, a long time, nearly a quarter of a century, and and in my awareness of being in her presence, I'm aware that she's aware of me and that I'm aware of her. I'm aware of an individuality or a sense of self or sentiency that the tree has. And, and whilst that may be different from my own sentiency, it isn't inferior or superior, it's just different. And, and I love that I can be in relationship with something that isn't human. And the fact that it's a tree, of course, makes it super druidy. Right. <laughs> so I'm, I, I don't know if you've read this, and I don't know if anyone who's listening has read this, but I would suggest to anybody, uh, whether you've read it, uh, and, and I'm going to suggest you reread it, or if you haven't read it, you go check it out. But decades and decades ago, Martin Buber a major Jewish philosopher, wrote a very, very small book called I and Thou, Ich und Du in German. Mm. But the English translation is I and Thou. And in that book, he's got this short, I don't know if you'd call it a poem or a guided meditation, or it's his, it's his mystical encounter with a tree. Right. And he calls it I Encounter a Tree. And in that piece of poetry, he talks about his... You know, he said, I'm paraphrasing, but he says, you could look at the tree as a biological thing. You could look at it scientifically, mm -hmm. rationally, blah, blah, blah. But even after you go through all of that, and he doesn't want to negate any of that. He says, mm -hmm. it's still what he calls a thou, a being right. that, that he can experience as ultimately divine. Yes. You know, a, a manifesting from my, in my language, a manifesting of the infinite divine aliveness. That's beautiful. And that you, you can have this kind of experience with that being. And in that experience, you're both affirmed mm -hmm. as manifestings of deity, whatever you want to call it. And in that experience, only compassion and justice, there's only room for compassion and justice. You can't chop it down. You can't. Yeah abuse the other. And then he says, that's the kind of relationship you can have with all beings, human and, exactly. and otherwise. Exactly. And I think that's what the trees teach us. And, and the fact that trees are uh, a facet of Druid spirituality isn't unique either, because once we start scratching at the surfaces of other world religions and spiritualities, we find that trees play a central role within those traditions, whether it's within Christianity or within the northern traditions and the tree of Ugdrasil or even in eastern traditions. And we have this, we have a proverb in, in Wales, which I write about in my book, which is in Welsh, it is Dodanol Atvang Hoyt, which means to come back to my trees. And we perceive that proverb to have two particular levels to it, one which is fairly literal and one which is metaphysical or metaphorical. But I love it in that it, it implies that there is a, a singularity to the nature of the universe itself, and that one of the main ways that we can rediscover or realign ourselves with that singularity, with the unification of the universe, is through the trees. 
And on a scientific level, I guess we understand that with you know the forest wide web and the mycelia networks that forests forests use to connect one with the other. But on a metaphorical level, I find it a rather beautiful expression of finding the center of oneself, and that the center of the universe has always been within us. It's just you know, in our human existence, we might become lost in the forest, if you like, or unable to see the woods for the trees, and that somewhere within us, there is a a place into, in which we can access the world tree or the tree of life or koidene badoi, we would call it in the Welsh language. And that this phrase to dodanolat van hoid is to return to a state of mind which is unified with the power inherent within the tree of life itself. And, and I love that not only does it reference trees, of course, but that it can be used on two levels. And people have used it creatively, musically, poetically, but also spiritually within Welsh history and culture. And, you know, and the fact that you mentioned that book, it, it sounds so similar and so familiar that these truths seem to speak to human beings. And so many of those truths are spoken through the power of trees. And I think there's something incredibly humbling and beautiful in the simplicity of that. And yet that simplicity holds a profundity that is mind-bogglingly wonderful. Discover a new relationship and approach to life through the space between. Join spiritual teacher Brittany Mondito for a moment of silence, a weekend workshop May 24th to 26th at Omega Institute's beautiful campus in Rhinebeck, New York. Everything we're searching for lies behind what we're running from, Brittany says. Reconnect with your inner sense of safety, grounding, and centeredness. Learn more today at eomega.org thrive. Yeah, absolutely. I, it seems to me, I mean, I, I mentioned to you before we started recording, and uh, I'll, I'll, I'll say this again. I mean, when I, in the beginning of the book, right in the introduction, mm. the first sentence is you referenced that proverb, and it just brought me up short. It was the most, I mean, it was so profound. And it, it seemed like, uh, to me as a reader, almost, mm. oh, I don't know, a revelation of some sort calling me to do just what you said, return to your trees. And I thought, I mean, okay, what are my trees? And right. and I thought of it in terms sort of, I, I guess, mystically, whatever, the tree of life, as you just mentioned, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. I mean, these are the trees that are foundational in in my tradition and mm-hmm. uh, in, in, in my tribal upbringing. But I'm wondering if there's a way in the Druid tradition that you teach people to identify and return to their trees. Yes, yes, very much so. So we, so the Anglesey Druid Order in particular, and I think the majority of Druid traditions can be identified as somewhat mythocentric. And I guess that is that can be a truism as well for the majority of spiritualities and religions. That myth plays an important role. But fitting in with a proverb of to Dodanol Asfenghoid, to come back to my trees, is that central to the Welsh expression of Druidry is a body of mythology called a Mabinogi. And a Mabinogi essentially translates as the tales of the youthful one. 
But the wondrous thing about them is that there are four branches to the Mabinogi. So, you know, if somebody was to Google the four branches of the Mabinogi, they would they would be looking at the, this body of myth that we work so closely with. But what's interesting about it is that they're described as branches of the same tree, and that that mythology enables a person to be able to connect with a mythological landscape of themselves, and that essentially when they're working with these mythologies, they're not referring to something from the deep past, but rather to something that is happening right now to the person that's embarking on this journey to discover their trees. And of course, what I love about mythology itself is, and I'm not entirely sure who said it, it might have been Joseph Campbell, who claimed that mythology is something that never happened, and yet it happens all the time. And in the four branches of the Mabinogi, the the function of those mythologists is to place us as the central protagonist of that body of myth in order that we find our way back to our trees. But of course, your tree might be very different to my tree, and, and how we use that metaphorically will will tie in and knit beautifully into the into the individualistic expression of our lives and the gifts and the inspiration or the medicine that we are able to bring to the world and that gift or medicine in the Welsh tradition is given a name, which is awen, uh, which means blessed holy breath, but is also the manner in which we inspire the world. And and wherever we look, however many pages we turn or what we study, in the Druid tradition, it keeps constantly pulling us back to the trees, to return to one's trees, to either a balanced and to, to a return, returning to a balanced state of mind or finding the roots of the world tree that takes us out of the forest of bewilderment and back to that place of being unified as expressions of the universe and that we're an extension of that same power and force that we might lose, you know, in the in the quandary and the quiddities that we find ourselves within the expression of human living and that trees have the power to bring us back there. So, so we very we, we we work really closely as druids with that principle of tree as metaphor, tree as a function of mythology, and tree as transmitters of of wisdom, and it's just absolutely lovely. So, so let me see if I can get a little bit more. I don't know if the word is practical or granular. So, so, so Awen is working with the breath or having something to do mm. with the breath, right? Yeah. So. Is, is there breath work involved where someone learns a kind of, I mean, in Hinduism, a pranayama, some kind of breath practice? Exactly that. that. <laughs> okay. Can you give us some sense of what that is? Yes, yes, sure. So so essentially, we, we have an entire tradition in Wales that in the literal sense is 1200 years old, and it's called a Tradodiad Bardol Cymraeg, or the Welsh Bardic tradition. And Bardism, or the expression of poetry and song, was held as the as the highest expression of Awen, and that the, the divine creative force of the universe is expressed through humanity by means of Bardism. 
by poetry and song. And incidentally, in Wales, the highest accolade given to the citizens of Wales isn't given to politicians or military commanders. It's given to a poet, and a chair or a crown is one. And I think there's something deeply, deeply humbling and beautiful about that very fact. So, But the Awen is considered to have a sound, and they're the sound of vowels. And by singing and bringing the the awen through oneself and out into the world by singing the vowels of the three rays of awen as it's given a a pictorial or symbolic representation brings us into direct alignment with the forces the 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 creative forces of the universe and we do that through uh, intentional breath work but also through systems of poetry and bardism that are very unique to some of the celtic traditions in particular wales and one of those particular systems is called a kanghanedd which is a, a form of internal alliteration and rhyme and it's a very complicated form of poetry and and an art that is considered to be something one finds within the universe itself rather than something that one pulls from within oneself as as a science so there are various ways in which the welsh bardic tradition and also in welsh druidry expresses the function of awen and also the mystery of the trees and we do it by this process of bardism which of course is a, is a is a general theme through all druidries in all of the celtic nations and celtic languages bardism is considered to be a primary um, director or conductor for this force that we refer to as awen i mean you can hear the resonance in, in almost every tradition I can think of. <clears throat> I mean, the power of chanting, the, the power yeah. of, of sound. Can you give us, and, and if you can't, you know, it's, it's certainly fine, some sample of what the vowels, the vowel practice would sound like? So so yeah so so essentially in the in the Welsh tradition the vowels are given the three rays if you like so the, the awen is symbolized by three rays so there's a central ray and then there are two other rays either side of it at a, that are perpendicular to the central ray and each of those rays is given a sound and there are three vowel sounds which is o i u so the o i u sound would be chanted over and over and over again in any particular order it might be or any any iteration thereof. But also some people might chant the verb for awen itself, which is awenna. So awenna means I am actively doing the awen. And that one just sounds like and you would chant it over and over and over and over again to align oneself with the forces of awen and the creative forces of the universe. But there might be other examples of voice work and breath work that we will use by using metered kanghaned or metered poetry from the Welsh tradition. And they might not necessarily be sung in a lyrical sense, but they're certainly orated in an intentional manner that aligns oneself to the the, the meaning of those particular kanghaned. So there are various ways in which we connect with the forces of awen. And we consider that you know appropriate offerings for certain sacred sites and sacred places the most appropriate is your voice is to is to sing to those particular places and so yeah it's a very important function of the druid tradition voice work poetry and the expression thereof i mean it's really fascinating i, I mean you can see 
and, and this probably isn't news to most people who are listening, but I, I mean, Druidry comes from human beings, as mm-hmm. does Buddhism, Hinduism, Judaism, Islam, Christianity. I mean, they're all, they all come from human beings. So they're all going to have the same universal uh, elements. We all breathe, so we're all going to be using breath. We yeah. all use sound. We all use song because human beings sing. I, I mean, just, just to throw out something sort of extraneous, I suppose, you know, the word Israel in Hebrew, Yisrael, most people, because of the story from which it comes in the book of Genesis, understand Yisrael to mean one who wrestles Yisra with God, Ale. But in the Kabbalistic mystical tradition, you can understand it as Yashir Ale, same spelling, just different vowelization. And that means one who sings the divine. Oh, wow. That's beautiful. A totally different understanding, much more in line with, with, what, with what you're saying. Exactly. And it's um, not just magical. It doesn't matter where you go in the world. I spent some time in 2019 down in Australia. I'd never been to Australia before. I had the incredible opportunity to meet some indigenous people from Australia. And not only were our mythologies very similar, but they also used their voices in ways that were very similar to the practices that I use here at home. And, and yet we're 11,000 miles apart, continents and worlds apart. And yet there's, there's always a commonality that I find as matter where you go in the world, there's always something that will unify us. And that might be a tree, it might be a song, or it might just be a vision or a dream that we all share. And yeah, yeah the collective. Yes, yeah, so there's, there's so much to unite us and there is to tear us apart. So Christopher, I am cognizant of the time, and I know we're coming up on the end, but I, I'm going to just push it anyway, if it's okay with you, because I, I want us, we, we've done a pretty good job exploring the Druid aspect, but you also have this interest in tarot cards, and you've published mm. two tarot decks. Yes. And, and I just can't let you go without having you explain a little bit about that. You have the Celtic tarot, which mm. feeds into the, the Druid thing, and then the Yuletide tarot, which I, I guess is something different. But talk to us a little bit about the connection with your connection with tarot, why you went that way, why, why a, a tarot deck and why a new tarot deck, a Celtic tarot deck, and and how you use it. Because you use, to tie it back to trees, you use what you call the tree of life spread. Mm. So it's it's all connected. So, so tell us about your connection with tarot. Yes, very much so. And because I, li- I live in a country where Druidry is endemic, we have not only a spiritual form of Druidry here, we also have a cultural expression of Druidry here in Wales. And it's something that people are very, very familiar with. But I also received what I call a moment of wild awakening, where in the maelstrom of my teenage hormonal years, I came across a deck of tarot cards in a secondhand bookshop. I had no idea what they were. And I remember sitting in a little den that myself and my friends had built near the coast where I lived here on Anglesey. And it was pouring with rain. And I found myself alone looking through this storehouse of images. And I didn't know what they were. But I knew at that point that there was something in the world that up until that point I'd been unfamiliar with and unaware of, and that these cards had somehow opened a door onto a reality that I didn't know even existed. So it took me some time to dig around. We didn't have Google or the internet back in those days. So I had to delve into the library to try and discover what these things were to find that they were the tarot. And of course, the tarot has always had a, you know, or 
has developed an association with a Kabbalistic tree of life. And again, it comes back to the trees. And so they seemed to act as a doorway that opened myself to other realities and other potentialities that were hidden within that which was apparent. So I've always considered that they were the things that opened those doors for me. And because of that moment of wild awakening, I've always felt a gratitude, a deep gratitude to the tarot for being the keys that enabled me to become the druid that I am today. And and even though one might think, oh, this this is a completely different system or, or it's not related to druidry, it still comes back to this notion of trees and so when I work with the tarot today I work with it on different levels I work with them as meditative tools or counseling tools or listening tools but also as um, divinatory tools so I cover all the bases when it comes to to tarot and I have this deep love for it because it reminds me of that sense of awe and wonder that I felt on that rainy Tuesday afternoon on a tiny island floating in the Irish Sea. And and I have always hoped that the magic that I felt in that moment would be something that I could share with the world for the rest of my life. So every time I look at a deck of tarot cards, I'm reminded of that moment of awe and and that reminds me of Awen, because the word or A-W-E, is contained within the word Awen, A-W-E-N. So I find that it all ties back. It's this beautiful flood of inspiration and influence that I received, that I was gifted as a as a very as a young as a young boy to to the druid that I am today. So more than anything, I'm grateful to them for having offered me keys to unlock the doors that led me to return to my trees. Well, we're, we're grateful to them also because they did that, and to you for giving us this, this wonderful gift of the books, but also the challenge to return to our trees, just mm. so powerful. Thank you. Our guest today, Christopher Hughes, is the author of the Book of Druidry, a complete introduction to the magic and wisdom of the Celtic mysteries. His interview with Stephen Kiesling is entitled Awakening to the Wisdom of the Oak, and it appears in the July-August 2023 issue of Spirituality Health magazine. You can learn more about Christopher's work at uh, Anglesey Druid Order, all one word, anglesydruidorder.co.uk. Christopher, thank you so much for joining us on the Spirituality and Health Podcast. It's been an absolute pleasure and it's been a joy to to speak to you. I've only ever seen you as a little as a little face inside a magazine. So to hear your voice is an absolute <laughs> pleasure. Thank you so much. Well, you are welcome. Spirituality and Health Podcast is produced by Ezra Baker Trupiano, and our executive producer is Zach Avery. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a five-star rating on your podcast app. And if you're not already a subscriber to Spirituality and Health Magazine, please become one at spiritualityhealth.com. From everyone at Spirituality and Health Magazine, we thank you for your support.
I'm Michelle Phillips, a celebrity makeup artist, beauty expert, self-confidence coach, and Hay House author. My podcast, Beauty and Beyond, is the place for women navigating the challenges of the aging process. Listen in for my professional advice, as well as my expert guests, as we share valuable tips, practical tools, and empowering resources to help you not only look amazing, but also live an amazing life. Part of the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network and available wherever you get your podcasts.